0: Sun is up, I'm off to the river now. Sit beneath the morning
1: sun. Gone away, washed away, I watch the clouds roll by. And there I sit, I close my eyes. Thinking, oh. Welcome, friends. This is A Better World Podcast. Thirty minutes of inspiration from the worlds of business and the arts. This is Mark Ross, life. and I'll be your host. It's good it's good life. Good life. This week, I'd like to talk a bit about uh, a couple reports that came out in the last few months regarding consumers and how they view companies that embed social purpose into their missions and into their businesses. So the first report was the Cone Communications 2018 report on purpose. It came out in the latter part of 2018. It kind of got lost in the holidays. Uh, And regardless of how you feel about the fact that people may answer these questions to try to make themselves seem more socially conscious, there's still quite a bit that can be anecdotal information that can be gleaned from, I think, these reports. So for example, uh, these were consumer reports that clearly show that more responsibility and action and accountability um, is required of businesses, uh, or that consumers are demanding more accountability from businesses, and that they're tending to shop for products and support businesses that are in alignment with their values. So to give you some examples, in the Cone Report on Purpose, 78% of Americans who responded believe that companies must do more than just make money. They must positively impact society as well. Now we know from uh, the history of economics through f- from the mid-50s on that when social programs started to emerge in companies the initial inclination was that economists would take a look at those and find them to be antithetical to the bottom line meaning they would undermine what is considered the prime directive of capitalism which is generate shareholder value, and that social and environmental programs cost money and they take away from the bottom line. We are now finding that that concept has been completely decimated and flipped on its head, and that companies are now starting to see value in embedding these types of concepts and precepts into their businesses. Uh, In fact, according to the Cone study, 77% of consumers felt a stronger emotional connection to a purpose-driven company over a traditional company with 79% saying they are more loyal and 73% were more willing to defend that company if somebody spoke poorly about it. Defend the company. Uh, 88% would buy a product from a purpose-driven company and most notably 66% would switch from a product that they typically would buy and use to a product from a purpose-driven company you know, this is starting to show a trend. I think it's mostly being driven by millennials and Gen Zers that are very purpose-driven. I also think it's being driven by the fact that more and more companies are being transparent in their operations, in their supply chains, in their environmental practices, in their social practices. Uh, Investors are starting to take a harder look at ESG, environmental, social, and governance factors. And this is all leading to more information being out there on the internet, readily available, consumers being able to find it, and, and frankly the media being able to research it. Um, uh, some other interesting findings from the Cohn study that purpose leads over low-cost or high-quality products in five to eight of consumer actions, meaning that consumers were more concerned about purpose uh, over cost or quality. Now that said, you, trend on, you, you, you tread on poor quality at your, um, at your peril because you still can't produce a, a crappy quality product uh, and rely on purpose to sell the product. To remain competitive, companies still cannot cut corners, if you will, on quality uh, because quality still remains a, a primary factor in a purchase decision. Uh, That said, brand devotees, though, are willing to try products in different categories from their favorite purpose-driven company, while new consumers are more willing to test out products for the first time. Uh, And finally, from that Cone communications study, uh, most Americans consider a company's purpose an authentic role in society when making a variety of decisions from where to work and what to invest in companies must remember to communicate purpose, not just to consumers, but to all stakeholders uh, to meet broader expectations. Um, Similarly, uh, in terms of evaluating consumers or consumers evaluating companies, the Clutch Market Insight firm study from January of 2019 showed very similar results that the beliefs and values that um, drive a company's brand are becoming increasingly more and more important. Um, so 420 consumers were, uh, were surveyed uh, about how a company's corporate social responsibility influences how they perceive the brands and the products that they buy and where they shop. And what they found was that three quarters of the people surveyed were likely to start shopping at a company that supports an issue that they agree with. Uh, 71% of people surveyed thought it was important for a business to take a stance on social movements. A stance. Uh, And 70% of Gen Xers, 54% of millennials were likely to stop shopping at a company that supports an issue that they disagree with. So a majority of millennials and Gen Xers would stop shopping at a company that took a position that they didn't agree with as compared to only 37% of baby boomers. So these these were, I thought, fascinating stats. And I think Uh, Because of surveys like this that survey consumers, you're starting to see this being translated uh, at the highest levels of some of the biggest companies in America. Uh, And What I mean by that is we're we're witnessing really a historic shift at the C-suite level of how company executives are viewing their own missions in the world. Uh, A Deloitte uh, annual survey of C-suite executives that just came out, I believe this month, More than a third of more than 2,000 C-suite executives ranked societal impact as the most important factor their organizations use in evaluating their annual performance. In evaluating their annual performance, societal impact was the most important factor. That's more than those who cited financial performance and employee satisfaction combined. Societal impact more important for a third of more than 2,000 C-suite executives than financial performance and employee satisfaction combined. We are, I think, at a tipping point now with regard to companies really starting to lean hard into brands or into, into societal impact and purpose. Uh, one only has to take a look at Patagonia, that's always been a very purpose-driven company, but even they have become much more strident in their own mission. Moving from a, a, a mission of producing the best product, causing no unnecessary harm for the environment, and using business to protect nature, to now their mission is simply, we are in the business to save our home planet. It's no longer about the product and using their products and their business um, to, to make products that have little impact on the planet, but now their business, their business, the mission of their business is to save the planet, and they just happen to make gear to help facilitate that mission. I'd want to know what you think. Do you think this is just a, a blip, an ongoing trend, something that's here to stay? Are we going to start seeing more and more businesses leaning into purpose, developing purpose? And how do we know if these businesses are being authentic? I'd be curious to get your thoughts, shoot me an email at mark@needleconsultants.com at and hopefully we'll talk about that at a future episode. Today's guest I would like to welcome Carla Base from the Odell Brewing Company in Fort Collins, Colorado. In essence, she's the Director of Corporate Responsibility and Community Engagement. Carla, welcome to A Better World.
0: Thanks, Mark. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for for joining me.
0: Thanks for having Uh, me today.
1: So tell me a little bit about uh, Odell Brewing Company and how you got here and doing what you're doing.
0: So it's fun that you're here uh, now, actually, because this is the year of our 30th anniversary. And I have been with the company 12 years this month. So um, there's some fun anniversaries there. And I feel like my position was created 12 years ago uh, out, of, out of a necessity um, because philanthropic giving was such a baked in part of the DNA of Doug Wynn and Corky Odell, our founders. And they really um, just sort of realized that they needed someone to, to grab a hold of it and, and own it. And when I started it, it was a a really part-time position. I worked in the tap room too, which was wonderful because it really gave me a a large breadth for knowledge of beer and the company itself. I got to see all of the the inner workings and give tours, so I understand the brew house side of things and um, can really sort of uh, speak to the the company as a whole because of that experience in my life too. It's just awesome. Um, but the, the philanthropic side has really become my focus over the last 12 years and and have turned that into a now a full-time position. And it goes beyond cash giving and um, gift in kind and merchandise giving, which, which I would say um, takes up the majority of my time, but I think the real bread and butter, the real meat of what I do is in Actually, crafting the relationships that we have with the nonprofits that we work with, so we have some real opportunity for high touch point um, projects and events. Um, we get to actually work with our fans and get them engaged in our volunteering. Um, we get to work hand in hand with our the nonprofits that we uh, represent here in our tap room, and also, uh, you know that. Um, We'll, that we have a presence at their galas and events and things like that off-site. We can send people out to talk about our beer while um, while we're doing those good things. So um, we really have some some very cool crossover and, and uh, storytelling opportunities there, too.
1: So can you talk a little bit more about what Odell's program looks like and the kinds of groups that you get involved in? How are you set up? With regard to your philanthropic giving and your community engagement.
0: Yeah. I um, our, Because our leadership and our founders have been so involved from the beginning, uh, and I feel like uh, they're such um, philanthropically minded folks, that uh, they realized pretty early on that they needed to set some boundaries for their giving. So those are really my guardrails, and it's neat because they kind of represent each uh, one of them. So. Uh, we give to education, sustainability, and human services with a focus on underserved youth and the elderly population. And I feel like they they kind of go hand-in-hand with each of them. Win would be more focused on education, Doug is definitely more geared towards sustainability, and Corky has a bent toward uh, human services and and really sort of that that nurturing side of the community. So uh, that's where, you know, I get to tailor our giving, so I get so many requests and, and they're all worthy and so it's, it's a challenge but, and definitely the hardest part of my job to say no, of course, but um, when I get to see all of the good that we do, uh, it definitely makes that, that no a little bit softer and so I try to share that with the groups that I have to say no to um, and, and give them a little bit of a snapshot into what we, what we are able to say yes to. So um, I would say that that's sort of the, the backbone of our give. Um, and we don't talk about it too much, um, but we definitely have, you know, my budget is crafted from the, the barrels of beer that we create the year before. So last year we, um, we ended the year at about 125,000 barrels of beer. And our leadership has committed to giving $2 per barrel, so my budget for the year is $250,000. And that gets broken out um, through a a sort of strategic give with our seasonal partners that get represented each quarter in the tap room, as well as uh, our our merchandise and gifted kind giving, to gala, silent auctions, things like that, Um, and to anyone who's involved in this world of work, uh, there's a lot of that happens throughout the year. So I'm uh, very much always giving, um, you know, coordinating pickups here at the brewery and um, getting beer delivered by our distribution outside of our our footprint um, up here in Northern Colorado. So um, it's fun because I get to see, you know, and then I ask the nonprofits to send me pictures of folks drinking our beer at events and things like that. Um, We do cash gifts as well. We have, um, we don't really have a a plan for a small grant give anymore these days because we were getting so many that um, with the partners that we have, I I feel like um, the relationships that we've built with them now, they understand that if they have a project that they're trying to fund or or a, a campaign, they'll often come to us and um, just sort of create a proposal. And then I'll present that to our leadership and we'll have a discussion around um, what we're able to do. And uh, we have some larger pledges too that we uh, um, honor each year. We have one with the Fort Collins Museum of Discovery, We're founding circle members there. And I think uh, that group has become just such an incredible educational institution in Fort Collins that that's been a really fun Um, partnership for us. We work a lot with the gardens on Spring Creek here in Fort Collins. And now, of course, we're expanding our programming um, to be much more in-depth in the greater Denver area as we've opened a a small brew house and tap room there in the River North District. So um, I've kind of split myself in two this last year and uh, really been delving into the needs of that neighborhood, which has been really interesting because um, there's so much growth happening there, and so much need. With Globeville and um, uh, Five Points and some neighborhoods that I know, start you know kind of ring bells with folks that are familiar with Denver. It's been it's been interesting to leverage those relationships too.
1: No, I I see your program as being. Rather similar to other microbrew programs that give back to the community what would you say makes what makes the Odell program the most unique
0: I think that's a good question mark and I um, I do think that uh, we certainly have modeled our programming after some of our friends I've taken um, some major uh, attributes from from uh, other organizations that I really respect, Harpoon Helps was a huge um, model for me in creating our Odell Outreach Program. It, the one that we um, reach out to our fans to help us complete volunteer projects. Uh, they're just incredible. And uh, like us, our, you know one of the earlier craft breweries that have um, sort of maintained a regional presence. We haven't tried to go national. And so we've We've both um, sort of stayed in our, our backyards and really tried to develop who we are in the areas that we live. Um, so we, we have really a lot of similarities there. Um, they, they've done just an incredible job of, of uh, engaging the greater Boston area and the good that they do. Um, and then, you know, I feel like uh, we're super open too. I've talked to um, other breweries like Avery and um, friends at Ska and things like that, shared all of the, the giving that we do. So I think there is repetition in our community outreach because we're such an incredibly collaborative and engaged industry with each other. Um, I, I always say that I love being on this side of the industry and not in sales because those are the guys who really have to duke it out and the rest of us get to be friends. Um, you know, uh, that comes from the top, too. I feel like uh, Doug Wynn and Corky have always been just so generous with their information, um, knowledge. Doug is always helping other craft brewers get started and source materials. So I, th- I feel like that's really trickled into our giving program, and it's manifested itself in projects like House That Beer Build, where we've engaged other breweries to come on board with us and, and – uh, build a house for a family with habitat. So um, that's a really fun program for me to, to speak to as well because that program has gone national now. There are over 25 house that beer built across the country, everywhere from Tampa, Florida up to Bend, Oregon. Um, Austin was the first place I kind of packaged and shipped it off to. And um, so these other um, craft brewers are getting together. And it's just a beautiful thing to see all of us come to a table, which is hard to get brewers at, first of all.
1: Even over beer. <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> I say it's like, um, people are like, oh, it must be like hurting cats. I'm like, no. It's like hurting the fleas on cats. So, because everybody's so busy, and in smaller breweries, people wear, you know, 20 hats. The, the head brewer does the marketing and is pouring beer in the afternoon for their guests. So, to get somebody at a table having a beer and talking about this incredible project is really a big deal. So, it speaks to the project. It speaks to the nonprofit, I think Habitat for Humanity has established itself as such a credible and trustworthy organization. Um, that That's really led it to incredible success. I look forward to a lot more House That Beer Built's um, kind of coming up in the next uh, few years. We're about to embark on our third with our um, Northern Colorado Brewers coming on board. Weld County just finished theirs, which was incredible. They actually did the first package House that Beer Built Beer, so I have some some brains to pick over there about how they did that. Um, So those collaborative pieces, I think, have made ours um, sort of stand out and our our, uh, charitable giving kind of stand out and unique. Um, We're now involved with a a project that actually Governor Hickenlooper, former Governor Hickenlooper, uh, created in Denver called One Village, One Family. And he exported it up here to northern Colorado because it was so successful in Denver and we have such an incredible organization here called um, Homeward Alliance, formerly home, uh, Homeless Gear. They've taken this program on and they create a village and wrap we wrap our arms around a family that needs to find housing, and which has become harder and harder in northern Colorado, uh, affordable housing. And so we've combined forces with Maxline Brewing, New Belgium Brewing, and Horse and Dragon, and we are now, um, In process of finding housing for a wonderful mom and her three lovely daughters, so that's sort of the the big project I've got on my plate currently. While I'm filling all of these other spaces, uh, tomorrow I'm delivering beer for um, moving forward the uh, moving people forward. Excuse me, it's the Bicycle Colorado Conference in Denver, and I'll in the same breath I'll be delivering beer at uh, National. Sports Center for the Disabled at, at uh, Mile High for their big um, Wells Fargo Cup at the end of the month at Winter Park. So, we're, um, I, I love the diversity of our program, but I also love that, um, you know, we do have a little bit of a, a focus and, and try to make sure that we're making an impact when we do give.
1: Yeah, speaking, speaking of impact, what would you say are your most proud accomplishments with regard to the impact that Odell Brewing Company has had?
0: Yeah, that's, um, that's an interesting question. I feel like um, we have a few that I could speak to for sure. Uh, helping to create the fermentation science program at CSU is a, I, I feel like a, a big feather in the cap of Doug O'Dell and O'Dell Brewing. Um, Doug has, again, just been so generous with um, time and money. We helped them purchase their very first ever brewing system. Um, gosh, That was shortly after I came on board, so I want to say like 2007 or 2008, uh, with Dr. Jack Evans. And so we really helped to, I feel like, coalesce um, instructors and equipment and things like that so that kids would have this incredible opportunity, uh, which has blossomed into a way more rich program, I think, than Doug even ever saw it as. They're doing cheese and kombucha and just like everything fermented. It's so cool. And if you've been keeping up with craft beer, we're starting to diversify. I feel like across the board, too, a lot of us are accruing different, uh, different liquor licenses to delve into different types of fermentation. Um, we've accrued a, an FSB liquor license. So we're now doing a fermented sugar beverage um, or, or just practicing with it. So it's, you know, I feel like that innovative side of things as it permeates everything that Odell does um, definitely, you know, uh, gives us a lot of pride as far as, um, you know, what we've able, been able to accomplish in the community. So I would say um, the, the fermentation science program, and we've actually helped, we've written the very first check for two different organizations here in Fort Collins that um, we're really proud to be a part of. The first is The Growing Project. They're focused on food justice, and the other is Sprouting Up. And they are... Sprout,
1: sprouting Up? Sprout Up. Sprouting Up.
0: Uh-huh. And uh, they're an incredible organization uh, run by a, a dynamic woman named Ann Jensen. And she really sort of I feel like started out under the tutelage of the growing project, so it's neat. The programs sort of came to us hand in hand, but she was much more geared to getting kiddos involved, and now her programming is so in-depth that she takes kids that otherwise would never have the opportunity to come and work in her gardens. She pays them, so they get this little stipend. Um, She gives them this incredible skill set, and she also teaches them civic responsibility and helps them give away all the food that they grow to their neighborhoods where they're coming to her from, um, where they otherwise would never have access to fresh grown produce. So a lot of these kiddos are coming to her from food deserts um, like Poudre Air. We have a couple of trailer parks in town that are so far from the nearest grocery store that you know the, the nearest place to buy food is a 7-Eleven or a McDonald's. And so um, Anne's giving them this incredible opportunity to have access to the food. And she gives them cooking lessons, so she doesn't just give you a rutabaga. <laughs> she tells you what you can do with it, which I really appreciate as someone who gets stumped in the kitchen by some of that stuff, too. So um, I would say that, you know, helping organizations get started from the beginning has really been incredible for us um, and, and furthering programming at CSU. I mean, we have a real unique op- opportunity with the university here. Um, and I think that Doug has been integral in starting other programs too, like Climate Wise with the City of Fort Collins, and getting other businesses engaged in um, climate awareness. Excuse me, uh, and uh, just being such an advocate for uh, solid business practice um, as far as making as small an imprint uh, or as small a footprint as you can on the environment as you're making and doing and being a part of all of this.
1: Well, And then that, that leads me to my next question which is, you've been doing this now for quite some time, over a decade. You helped build the program here at Odell. How would you recommend that a, that a business get started on this path to a meaningful community engagement plan?
0: Um, I, that's that's an awesome question. I, I feel like uh, again I'd start with the the product the I, you know I feel like you can take a look at where you exist in the consciousness of the community that you're in and really um, build a strategy around the um, product that you're making now of course beer is different because we're not changing the world we're not creating in in the vein of um, you know creating a rocket ship or a, a scalpel or a, a you know something that's going to um, itself really j- sort of advance humanity but anytime you're profitable you have an opportunity and I you know personally I feel a responsibility to then give back to the community so um, I, I feel like that's a, a that's the the jumping off place right is to look at what your creating, what you're contributing, how you could make that. I look at our friends at Otter, and I think... Otter, as an yeah, Otterbox. box. at Otterbox. Um, And I think of the way that Trisha and her team have helped to, um, you know, craft their giving, and they've really included innovation and science and math into um, how they're giving because that's where they were founded. And I think that Doug Wynn and Corky have been... Um, responsive to that in innovate too, because we are using science and innovation and art to create the, the beer that we make. So I, I do think that that's where I would start, is looking at the product, looking at how you use resources, right? So we have a major bent toward water here, because we understand that we are a water-intensive industry as well. So we, we um, aim to give back and be very... Uh, proud stewards of our watershed, Um, so opportunities there. And then start small and be an ear. I think that um, the way that we've grown our program here is really by listening to the community and allowing people to make requests and feel comfortable coming to us and um, telling us their needs and the needs of our community. We work a lot with our United Way, and I think that we're really fortunate. We have an incredible United Way here that's really engaged in the community and can see from that 30,000 foot view our needs. And so they've been an incredible resource for me, um, and I think my, my peers in and, and, uh, industry giving. So I, I would look at the resources around you in that, that vein too. Homeward Alliance, Matthews House, we have these incredible, um, hubs of giving. So I would, I would start there.
1: So look at the product yeah, and then look around you, um, where the needs are and how that ties into the product, the community needs. And of course, um, the people within the company, what they're passionate about.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And I think that that's, uh, that's a huge piece is the, the company itself too. And, and, uh, Talking to the the uppers,
1: the uppers, and even the lowers, <laughs> and
0: the lowers, and the lowers. Yeah, in fact, I uh, I help to um, manage a committee here of about seventeen people, and out of a company of one hundred and forty-seven people, that that's a, a pretty large committee. Uh, we try to engage one person from every department in the brewery and get them in a room once a quarter and talk to them about uh, you know where their department has passions and. Um, where they feel like the, the future of our charitable giving should go. So we do uh, really try to keep an ear out to the company as well.
1: Great. Well, Carla Base, thank you so much for joining me on A Better World. Um, if you'd like more information on Odell Brewing Company, you can find them on the interwebs at odellbrewing.com. And um, thanks very much.
0: Mark, thanks for having me today.
1: Great. And that's this episode of A Better World. If you found this podcast to be helpful, useful, inspiring, please consider subscribing wherever podcasts are heard. You can find out more information about this particular episode as well as our other episodes on our website, www.abetterworldpodcast.net. From your comments and suggestions and feedback, you can send that all to Mark M A R C at NeedleConsultants.com. I'm Mark Ross, and I look forward to joining you next time as we explore how we can all help to create a better world.